today. Are you glad to be here today? That's right. We're here to worship our Lord, our Savior. There is no other God, the one true God, and he loves you. forever, King 
is our God? How about if I say, how great is our God? And you say, our God is great. How great is our God? How great is our God? Our God is great. Our God is great. We're going to sing about his greatness this morning and how awesome he can be. Just where he wants to meet us right where we're at today, right where you are at. God wants to meet you. And that is an exciting thing to behold.
Great to hear our church family gather together and worship the Almighty, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We, uh, last week we had Super Sunday, and we're continuing a little bit of that theme this week, because last week was 
a little bit of super snow Sunday, wasn't it? We had a little bit of snow and kept kept a few of us out. But uh, what a great day it was here at the church. And uh, we're celebrating what God has done in our church. You know, every year we come and we ask the Lord for this amount of money that we can give to the missionaries. This year we asked them for 74000 and God has provided more than 85000 Shall we offer thanks to the Lord again? Now, that is a huge miracle for God to do because that was, that's bigger than who we are as a church. It's bigger than who I am, and we can trust the Lord to meet the needs of these missionaries. And we wanted to share with you, continue the theme this week, to share just a few, few testimonies back by way of video uh, from, from these people that are out on the field. So the first one we're going to start with is Aaron Douthit. He's planted a church here in Masontown, Pennsylvania. If you've ever been to Masontown, you know that it's a tough area because... There's not much in Masontown, is there, compared to Pittsburgh. But uh, it's, it's a place that needs God, and he's gone out there, and he's done a work for the Lord, and God is using him. So let's go ahead and roll Aaron Douthit. Hey, guys, this is Pastor Aaron Douthit from The Bridge. I just want to thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, love your pastor. Love what you guys are doing. Uh, we could not do what we're doing without churches like you guys. You really have set the bar uh, for us in your giving and in your love and in your, your prayers and support. So we really appreciate that. Uh, we've had a great start to this year. We've seen several people come to know Jesus. Just this past Sunday, we uh, were able to baptize a lady, and in that same service, uh, four people that I used to go to high school with uh, came to, to know Christ as Savior also. We also had a first-time visitor uh, who got saved that Sunday, so we had five saved just last week. And uh, we just thank you guys for letting us, or helping us uh, do what we're doing uh, to reach people for God's glory. So. Uh, thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, we love you, appreciate you. Um, we just want to make disciples and make disciples. Thank you for helping us do that. Man, isn't that exciting? That, that video was taken here just in January. That's since the first of the year four people have come to know Christ. Isn't, isn't that exciting what God is doing? And you had a part in that by your giving. You responded to what the Lord laid on your heart. You gave, and how exciting that is to, to be a part of what's going on in Masontown. Here's his brother Dave. Who, uh, another young guy. These guys are both under 30. They're going out and started some churches. Dave Douthit. Pastor Dave from New Life Baptist Church. Um, just want to thank you for the support that you guys have been uh, to myself, uh, my brother, and uh, Bridge Baptist Church, and, and Pastor Kelly and Bethel Baptist Church. Just got to have lunch with your pastor and a few of the men from your church. And um, just to be able to, to see that excitement and to know that you guys have been praying for us and, and, and just giving not just your prayers but also out of your pocket uh, toward us and the ministry that God has called us to. It's just, um, just I just want you to know that it is, it is redounding for His glory in Dunbar, Pennsylvania. And um, there's just an exponential amount of excitement and happiness uh, being stirred there. And I believe, again, it's because of your prayers and your support. So thank you so much. And um, you can follow us and kind of track with us on Facebook, uh, New Life Baptist Church of Dunbar, PA. Isn't that exciting? So God has allowed our church to have part in these church plants. These two young men, uh, you get to hear their testimony at length sometime, how that they came to Christ as teenagers, and the pastor up there just took them on, discipled them, and now they are out, and they are making disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Same mission, same passion as Crossroads. The next one is John Fowler. John Fowler and, and his wife, they actually attended here as teenagers. Uh, John came here as a child. He was baptized here in the church. 
And uh, we want to give you an opportunity to hear from John Fowler. He's now out in Panama serving the Lord. Hi, everybody. Hi. We're the Fowlers, checking in from Panama. Hope you're all doing well. We're going to introduce ourselves real fast. Hi. Now we're here. Hi, I'm Ezra. I'm eight years old and I was born in Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Eli. I'm five years old and I was born in Pennsylvania. All right, awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, we just wanted to check in with you and uh, kind of just give you an update on what's going on here in Panama. We're really pretty brand new to it. We've been here about a month and a half and. Uh, we're in Costa Rica for a year before that, working on our Spanish. But now we're here, and we're starting to make contacts. And honestly, it, we just want to say thank you to the churches that are supporting us and acknowledge that, that this wouldn't be happening without those churches that are standing with us. So we want to thank Library Baptist Church and Crossroads Ministries and, and just uh, acknowledge the fact that we wouldn't be here without you. Um, you guys played a pretty special role in our lives. Both Bianca and I were baptized in the church and uh, I grew up in the youth group with Kenny Barner as my youth pastor so it's a pretty personal thing for us to have you guys standing with us and we're grateful um, you guys will pray for us there's a lot of things that are going on here in Panama and uh, I'll let Bianca share with you a couple of those things sure we're really excited God's doing some awesome stuff and doors are opening for ministry we are um, excited that about the possibility of starting a Spanish speaking Bible study um, here in our town and um, we've been helping out at a camp nearby, Word of Life um, camp, and so there's just lots of great stuff going on, and uh, some prayer requests for us, um, just acclimating to normal life and finding a new normal for us, and um, a big one for us is our boys in school, um, that they would make friends and be able to learn the language with ease, so those are some of our big ones right now. Yeah, we're, we're really trying to set up normal life and structure that, that schedule is pretty important for that. Also, we would ask you guys to pray for us with Choosing Wisely, the partners that the Lord brings to us. In very little time, we've already made several contacts with four or more pastors that are looking for some help and, and would love to partner with us and really want to come together around those guys. So we're hoping that we can support those churches in meaningful, practical ways while we're here, helping those churches to become more healthy, and then helping churches get started where they don't yet exist here in Panama. So um, please pray for us to have wisdom, to know how to partner with people, to know who to partner with. And uh, we'll continue to pray for you as a church and pray for our partnership. And we look forward to hopefully someday being able to host teams from Library Baptist and Crossroads Ministries down here with us as we uh, start baby churches around Panama. So uh, we want to thank you and tell you guys we're grateful and we love you as family in the Lord. And just look forward to staying in touch and being in contact with you. Good do it without you. Thank you so much. God bless you. What a privilege it is for us to partner with these these folks. And yeah, when you think of their they're raising their children in Panama. Uh, we, we have the privilege to raise our children here, and we have the privilege to invest in our children. That's with John and Bianca. We invested into their lives and now they're out serving the Lord. And so we have that privilege to continue to do that. And that's what we do every week here at this church. Sunday and Wednesday, we are ministering, we're meeting with children and teenagers and pouring into their life so that this is what we're looking for, that God will go and do great and mighty things in their lives. And one of them may go out and be a missionary. 
Others will go out and do other things, but this is exciting to see what God has done here. And uh, when you think about that, you know, there, that element of raising the family on the mission field, I think we forget about that quite often. We get all excited about what they're doing for God, but how about, like Bianca said, where do I find a grocery store? And, uh, and just the daily chores of living in a foreign country. Uh, the next is the Vahalis family. We, we want to uh, give you a report from the Vahalis family in the Czech Republic. Greetings. Uh, we are Vahalas. We are missionaries to the Czech Republic. Uh, we want to greet you at Crossword Ministries as you have your missionary emphasis uh, weekend. And uh, we want to tell you a little bit about how our ministry here in Czech Republic is going. Now, we've been here almost a year, and so we're still in a bit of a transition, and that looks differently. For example, my wife uh, will tell you. So for the kids and I, our transition is continuing to learn the language, going to language school. Um, we do that twice a week, and um, just getting used to the culture, uh, learning how to grocery shop here, and um, meeting new friends. Uh, meeting, continuing to build relationships in the church. And um, so we had the wonderful opportunity uh, to get together with one of our language teachers. Uh, she invited us to her house. Um, it was after Christmas. And um, so through talking with her, uh, Anthony actually had the opportunity to share the gospel with her. And um, so that's opened up an opportunity for us to, to talk with her about spiritual things. Well, as you know, we're here, uh, and our our emphasis, our work is essentially evangelism, training pastors and leaders, and doing doing church planting. And uh, we've been having many opportunities. Uh, I help coach soccer, which opens the door to, to many opportunities to share the gospel and talk to people about Christ. Uh, actually, as as a result of even being in this community and being part of this community, uh, you may have uh, seen in our newsletters we shared about our neighbors who are. Uh, who are now coming with us to church and I will be leading a small Bible study on exploring Christianity which they will attend and in which we will be continuing to help them uh, to understand the gospel and understand what Christianity is about. So you can certainly pray that that would be a fruitful time as we share the gospel with them, as we explain to them the scripture. Uh, the, other, the other thing that we do is uh, I'm working and helping to teach at Czech Bible Institute and that's quite demanding as we train pastors from Czech and even sometimes from Slovakia. Uh, we teach them many things on the pastoral level and uh, that takes a lot of preparation because uh, many of the sources that we have are just simply in another language so we have to uh, put together our own curriculum. And so that takes a lot of time, it's quite demanding. And uh, in the midst of all that we are also preparing uh, for our church planting efforts which Part of the church planting effort is uh, preparing for another family to come to join us from the United States who will be co-church planters with us. And so we are in the process of helping them find housing, helping them find transportation and, and uh, things like that. And so things are very busy uh, uh, in that sense, uh, but we have to always find time to, to focus on Christ and focus on why we do this. And, and we want to thank you through this video to be part of this, to be part of this journey as we bring gospel to the Czech Republic. Help us uh, as you help us to, to share the gospel with the people through your prayers and through your financial support. And we are really blessed to have partners like yourself. And so we once again wish you a great new year and uh, may God bless you.
Thank you so much, Crossroad Ministries. Happy New Year! Again, we forget what it's like to raise a family in a foreign country, right? Like one little girl just kept eating that snowball like it was an apple. And, and the, the little boy really had a good time there while his dad was reporting back. But, uh, you know, that's, it's real life. It's real life. These people have made a sacrifice. And they've gone out. And uh, God has allowed us to, to go out and make our sacrifice to give to them. He tugged on your heart. He tugged on their heart to go. He tugged on your heart to give, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, the next is the Stewarts. This is, uh, this is Josh Stewart, him and his family. Uh, they've gone over there to Ireland. This is uh, Ruth Ann Slagle's brother. Okay, tell me what. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not me. Really? Thank you. Thank you. Hi, we're Josh and Denise Stewart, missionaries to the Republic of Ireland, along with Connor, Chloe, Clark, and Kate. And we just want to say thank you so much for your faithful prayers and support to our family. Yes, thank you so much for your sacrificial giving. So they're, they're out there, and God is using them, and he, he's used your gifts to help them with what, he, with what he's doing in Ireland. Next we have is the Johnson family in London. Hello, Library Baptist. We're the Johnson family, missionaries to London, England. We have three boys, Ryland, who's 10, Nathan, who is 8, and Owen, who is 5. God has blessed us with the opportunity of working with Brian and Mindy Clark at Crossroads Baptist Church. During our time here, we have been involved in all aspects of ministry, including music, our discipleship program, and our weekly evangelism, which takes place on the high street that we call Network where each week we go out and share the gospel with people walking through the Bromley High Street. During the month of June, we have the campaign where we focus on our street evangelism. Teams from the U.S. come over and join us in our intensive evangelism focus on the High Street. In the past several years, we have seen God bless in the lives of those who have come over and in the lives of those who have been transformed through salvation. Last year, we were also able to team up with Time International, who sent us a group of teenagers who performed evangelistic dramas on the streets of London. We were also given the opportunity to go into several public and private schools to share these dramas and speak about what it truly means to follow Christ. This has opened up doors for us, and we look forward to doing it again this upcoming summer. In the last several months, several of those who have received Christ as a result of the campaign have taken steps of obedience and have been baptized and are now wishing to start discipleship. God has also moved in the hearts of our family and our church to surrender to full-time ministry. We do ask for your prayers in several areas. First, that CBC would continue to grow as we reach more with the gospel and as we continue to disciple those that God brings. We also ask that you pray with us for a new building. Right now, we have a one-room hall that has no place for our children or our babies. 
please pray that God will provide a building that we can call our own and has places for all aspects of our ministry. Lastly, please pray for our weekly network and the campaign that is quickly approaching. Hi, Library Baptist. We just want to say thank you once again for including us in the special offering each year. As you can see, God's been working and doing some great things. Uh, we ask that you please continue to pray for Western Europe and especially us here in London. And we look forward to reporting back to you guys more and more each year about what God's doing. Thanks a lot. So that's just a little taste of what God is doing through your, through your giving uh, around the world. Uh, we're, we're all about making disciples. You know, when you think about several of the missionaries on that list were children in our church. Now they're out serving the Lord. Making disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Um, we want to win people to Christ, build them in their faith, and then send them out to do the same. And uh, we, we're just so thankful for your part in that ministry. We couldn't do it without you, without the whole body coming together and seeking the Lord and uh, just responding to him. Let's give our Lord a hand this morning as we celebrate what he has done. As we continue, this is the epicenter for us, Crossroads Ministries. This is where it starts. Judea, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. This is our Jerusalem. This is where we start. We have to go out and spread the word here. So, part of our announcements this morning, please take your friendship folder and pass it down the aisle, and uh, that would be great. Please sign, sign in this morning with us. Also, this Tuesday is MOPS, meeting here at 9.30 at the church. An exciting time for mothers of preschool-aged children and below. So uh, we invite all you young mothers to come out and have a good time, meet other people, and I know they have a fun time. That is meeting again this Tuesday at 9.30. On Wednesday, we have adult Bible fellowships. They meet here at the church at 6.30. We have a men's Bible fellowship, then we have a women's Bible fellowship. These studies uh, are designed to help you in your spiritual life, help you to grow more like Christ, and to practically live for God. So we want to, uh, we want to encourage you to come out for, for one of those meetings. Um, also, on Wednesday night, we have our Connect Student Ministries. We want, people, we want our teenagers to get connected to God and to get connected to each other. So every Wednesday at 6 o'clock, our middle school begins. And on Wednesday at 7.30, our high school begins over at the Straight Street Building. God is doing great things. Last week, we saw two teenagers get baptized. It was an exciting day, wasn't that? Let's give God a hand for that. That was exciting. You know, right here, God is moving and he's doing great things. That is our Connect Student Ministries. I want to encourage you, if you have teenagers, get them out there. Don't let them miss that. Then on Thursday, we have the family experience. God is doing some exciting things through our family experience. I'm hearing things come back from different parents of what, what their children are bringing home. They're, they're learning the Bible lessons and they're coming home and they're talking about the things of God. Thursday night, 6.30, the family experience. That's where kids bring their parents and they sit together as a family. They have a, a very fun time and they learn God's words. So we want to encourage you to be there. That's this Thursday at 6.30. They're also going to be having what is called the Lego Derby. Now, in days gone by, they used to do a Pinewood Derby. They've moved to a Lego Derby so that levels off all the dads that like to compete. You know what I mean? All right, so now this is the Lego Derby. And uh, the kits are available in the foyer today. If you go by the Information Center, you can get a kit. That is coming up on Thursday, March 19th. Uh, but the week before that, they're going to have a time when, as families, we come together, build these cars. Then the next week, as families, we race the cars. So this would be a great time. Uh, you don't have to come to the church. Spread the word in the community. 
It's a great opportunity to spread the word about the exciting things that God's doing here at Crossroads. Celebrate Recovery will be having an informational meeting this Sunday, today, after church, the 11 a.m. service. Look for Pastor Al Finney if you're interested in getting in on the ground level. Celebrate Recovery. God is going to be doing exciting things through that ministry. The Women's Retreat is coming up on March 6th, 7th, and 8th. This is going to be a great time for our ladies to get away. And look at that title, Girls Gone Wise. Um, they are bringing in a great girl, Cheryl Marr. That's Cheryl Zawoski Marr. Uh, she was a teenager in the church when I was a teenager. And she's in Atlanta, and she's doing great things for God in her church. And we're excited that she'll be back to be a guest speaker for our women's retreat. Please sign up. That, these dates are quickly approaching. The Crossroads Worship Choir. We also have the uh, Worship Choir is beginning uh, to meet again. And that will start next Sunday at 4.30. Uh, they're preparing for the Good Friday Night of Worship. If you'd like to be a part of our worship choir for that evening, uh, please jump on. Rhonda will be at the Information Center, and you can get a practice CD today and start to practice and begin to prepare. Help us prepare as uh, Easter is right around the corner and will be another great time to proclaim the message of Jesus. And so we're, we're thankful for all that God is doing in our church uh, through you and through all these ministries. We want to encourage you to take, take advantage of what God is doing here. Jump in. There's places to get to know people, places to, uh, to, to meet people and to grow. Grow in Christ and grow in community of the believers of Jesus Christ here. So we're thankful that you're here. Let's stand together as we receive our morning offering. And as we receive our morning offering, I want to just remind you that we are making an impact in our world. As we give, God has given you 100% of what you have, and we are able to bless him back. He's been so generous to you. And now we're being generous to him as he has called us to do. And as we do that, we're reaching little children here that will one day be missionaries. We're reaching missionaries, helping missionaries who will reach little children overseas that will one day be missionaries. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we are just so thankful, Lord, for all that you've done in this place. God, you have done a great work. We thank you when we, we see these young people have gone out of this place and are are just sharing your word. They're on fire for Jesus, Lord. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And God, that, is, that delights our heart so much. And thank you for allowing us just to see a little bit of that. God, we ask now as we give this offering to you that you will receive it for your glory, for your honor, and Lord, that you will do great and mighty things around the world. Uh, Lord, transform our community. We ask that you'll use this church as a light on the hill, Lord. Use our youth group to reach out. Use our children's ministry to reach out. Use our men's and women's ministries to touch people for God. Lord, may the light be so bright on this hill that we just keep shining and shining and shining for your name. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to give. Thank you for giving to us. Thank you most of all for giving your son on the cross. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. When I thought you were a thousand miles away 
after all, you are constant. After all, you are only good. After all, you are sovereign. Not for a moment will you to talk to you this morning about a faith that works. I guess all of the videos that we showed this morning really demonstrates uh, to you the need of having uh, a belief in Christ that's more than just a mental idea, but something that works itself out in our life and actually goes out and works for Christ. We're going to begin reading this morning in verse number 14 of James chapter 2. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Lest also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead or it's ineffective. It's not genuine real faith but someone will say you have faith and I have works show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works for you believe that there is one God you do well even the demons believe and tremble but do you want to know O foolish man that faith without works is dead verse 22 do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works Faith was made perfect. I was reading about Alexander Graham Bell. You know, he was a prolific inventor born in Scotland. Uh, he invented so many different things, uh, uh, the telegraph, uh, the audio meter, which is used to test your hearing, uh, the tricycle landing gear on 
found on airplanes, and a host of other machines. He was the co-founder of the prestigious magazine Science. He served as the president of the National Geographic Society and spent his whole life working with the deaf. But uh, all of us know him uh, for his most famous invention, the telephone. We spend half of our life on that thing, don't we? Uh, it made him and his family an awful lot of money. Yet he almost lost it all. You see, Bell never seemed to find time to submit a patent application for the telephone. Finally, his father-in-law, who had financed much of the research, became so impatient that he filed the patent on Bell's behalf on the 14th day of February, 1876, Bell's 29th birthday. It was a good thing he did because just a few hours later, another scientist by the name of Elisha Gray went to the patent office and filed on a machine he also had been working for many years. You guessed it, the telephone. This story reminds us that sometimes it's not enough simply to have a good idea, to believe in a noble thing. We need also to act on it to bring it to fruition. Bell and his father-in-law are an example of the relationship between faith and works in the Bible. Bell had lots of faith. He believed in his telephone, but his father-in-law followed up on the idea. He protected the investment. How does faith and works work together? I think this is one of the primary challenges that we have in life. Look at verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Uh, I want you to notice here that James is talking about somebody who says or claims that they have faith. And I think that you know and I know that everybody who claims to have faith doesn't really have it. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And my mother, as you know, lived a very long time. And I remember right before the end of her life, she was cruising around in her wheelchair, uh, talking to as many people as she could in the nursing home about why good works wouldn't save their soul. And I remember one day I was leaving her and she says, well, I'm off on my mission. And that's what she did. You know, that is one of the greatest challenges we have face as a church, especially right here in the culture in which we live. Uh, telling people, listen, they actually need a personal savior. Uh, people in our culture base their hope of heaven on some simple fact that they believe something in their mind about Jesus Christ. They've never had anyone explain to them how desperate their spiritual condition really is. Uh, and that doing good works will not produce enough points with God to save their soul. Uh, they have this idea that if they do enough good works that it will balance out and certainly be more than their bad works and so God will credit that to their account and welcome them into heaven. But that's not how works work. First of all, in this passage of Scripture this morning, we see the wisdom of faith that doesn't work. Verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? You see that last question, can faith save him? I think if we just picked that out of the story, out of the context, all of us would have a resounding yes. We believe that faith does save people. 
We believe that salvation is by faith alone. But if you take that particular verse and you keep it in its storyline, its context, the answer is no. That kind of faith will not save anyone. There are people in our world who have plenty of faith like that, but they are not saved according to the Bible. And he gives an illustration here in verse 15 through 17. Can this kind of faith save a person? Any profession of faith that does not produce a changed life and good works is not real salvation. True faith always brings life in a person's being, and life brings good works. Well, James uh, does not say that this person actually has faith. He says this person claims to have faith. I think that you know a whole lot of people like that, don't you? That just claim to have faith. Well, he illustrates it by telling the story of somebody going out and finding somebody in need. And in verse 16, uh, it talks about the compassion of this person that's going out. Look at what he says. He says, uh, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed. They have words of compassion, but no deeds of compassion. What value is this kind of faith? Put yourself in that person's setting. Here you are, you need food, you need clothing, and somebody comes by and says, hey, listen, God bless you. I'm praying for you. I'll see you later. Well, James says that faith is inoperative. It's dead. It won't work. It's simply dead faith. It's just believing in Jesus in your mind. And that's not salvation. Many of you have been in situations like this, where you've seen somebody that you just would like to help, but you had no means to help. And you didn't know what to say because you knew that just anything you said wouldn't come out right, and you just passed by, and you felt guilty because you couldn't put a Band-Aid on their pain. We've all been there, especially if you've gone to some of the poorer sections of our town in which we live especially if you've got on an airplane and gone on a summer missionary trip to a third world country, you've all been there. Well, uh, look at verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. There's a universal temptation to divide faith and works always. There's a, human, a universal temptation to say in the church, Listen, I'm in the faith department, you're in the works department, you do the work, I'll do the thinking. Uh, sometimes uh, many people say, well, you know, I have the gift, you have the gift of works, I, I just don't have that gift. I have faith. Uh, well, James says, listen, that kind of faith doesn't work. The only kind of faith that really works is the kind of faith that has works. Well, uh, it usually goes like this. You take care of the works department and I'll handle the faith department. Now, if somebody posed to you the question, which department you'd like to be in, would you want to be in the works department or the faith department? Well, the works department sounds like work, right? And the faith department sounds a whole lot easier. And so I think if you, if you had the opportunity, you'd be one of those people that wanted to be in the faith department. Well, he characterizes this type of faith, if that's the only department you have, as dead, inoperative, dead faith. 
And then he goes on, and, and I, this is kind of a shocker in verse 19. Look at it. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. This is demonic faith. Demonic faith. It touches not only the intellect, but the emotions. These demons believe in God, and they tremble at the thought of God. They believe in the existence of God. They are not atheists. They are not agnostics. Remember when Satan approached Jesus in the temptation in Matthew chapter 4. He said to Jesus, since you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Since you're the son of God, cast yourself down off of the pinnacle of the temple. Since you're the son of God, fall, fall down and worship me. Satan identified Jesus as the son of God. He believed in his deity. But you know, demons also believe in a place of punishment. Luke 8.31 says they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss or the bottomless pit. Satan and his demon forces know that judgment is coming one of these days. They tremble really at the thought of that. But their believing in their mind and their trembling in their heart does not change their behavior. First of all, so many people that you and I know and rub shoulders with have dead faith. It touches only their intellect. They believe in Jesus Christ like they believe in Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or John Kennedy. That's the way they believe in Jesus. Not so much as to affect their life. And then there's demonic faith, and that touches the intellect and the emotions. Sometimes people confuse that. They say, well, you know, years ago I had this emotional experience. I went forward in some church, and I knelt, and I cried, and that was it. It didn't go the next step. Well, a dead faith substitutes words for, for deeds. James is not going to allow that kind of thinking. Real faith will be demonstrated by works. And you know, this is one of the themes of the New Testament, proving the reality of our faith. Uh, John the Baptist, remember, had lots of people coming to him. You know what he said to them? He said, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. He said, I want to see some proof. Now, the proof that you are saved, that you are born again, is in the quality and the works of your life. What's the result of it all? Well, Jesus said again, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus said, listen, you need good works. What is it that really glorifies God? Is it your words or your works? Well, a lot of people are filled with words. It's works that really changes things. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You know, when you sign up to the Lord, it's a sign up to work. Do you know that? It really is. When Jesus was going gathering his, his disciples, he went down and he found these fishermen and he said, listen, I want to put you to work. Uh, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I'm sure that they probably thought, hey, this sounds easier than messing with these nets and these smelly fish. But after a while, them being in the ministry, I think they yearned for the days that they were out on the lake saying, you know, this ministry is really hard work. It's filled with rejection. It's filled with pain. It's filled with hurt. 
Jesus calls us to work for him. Uh, that's the wisdom of works that don't work, and there's also a wisdom of faith that does work. Uh, in the Christian life, faith and works go together like inhaling and exhaling. Billy Graham stated it in these terms, faith is taking the gospel in and is taking the gospel out, works. D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist from Chicago, said every Bible should be bound in shoe leather. Uh, I know that if you're reading the Bible on a regular basis, when you come to the book of Romans, it looks like it contradicts what James is saying. It seems as though James is saying that you're justified by works. And it seems that R Romans is saying you're justified by faith. How do we reconcile these two ideas? One Bible scholar I read after said that Paul begins at the beginning of the discussion of salvation. James begins at another spot. Faith is the key doctrine of the Christian life. It's the door through which you and I enter into the spiritual experience. Romans 3.28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Boy, that is dogmatic right there. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be declared righteous in God's sight. James begins with a professing Christian. Remember, Paul begins with a person who needs to come to Christ. James begins with a person who claims they are a Christian. And it's only a claim. Uh, Jesus warned again in Matthew 7, 24. And every time I read this, it kind of like takes my breath away. I, it's really hard for me to understand this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many mighty miracles in your name? And when I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Listen, a profession of faith doesn't mean that a person is saved. If a person's in the ministry, that doesn't mean that they're saved. So Jesus said, there's going to be a bunch of people that I'm going to say, I never knew you. It's uh, James speaks here to prove. James wants us to prove our justification by our sanctification. In other words, our salvation by the things that we do. Paul says no one can be saved by works, and James says no one can be saved without producing good works. And I guess the, the, the greatest passage in the Bible is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And I hope you'll memorize this whole, these whole couple verses here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation comes through believing in Jesus Christ alone and his finished work on the cross for our sins. And not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift that God gives to you. All you have to do is reach out and put your hand out by faith and say, Lord, I, I want it. Give it to me. But, you know, you can stand there and you can say, well, listen, I know it's by faith and I know it's a gift, but I don't need it right now. Well, that, that means you won't get it right now. And so it's, here the scripture says that salvation is not by works, lest anyone should boast. If uh, you and I could boast of our salvation when we get to heaven, we'd be just telling each other 
all the great things we've done to get there. But listen, there's only going to be one message in heaven. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us, not what we did for him. Uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh, grace through grace we are saved. Works will not save a person. And God prepared good works for you and for me a long time ago. How long ago? Ephesians 1, 4. We are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. God had you in his mind a long, long time ago. And, and I think that uh, he's got a plan for your life. And all we have to do is plug into it. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Martin Luther, a very famous historical character from Germany, he went to Erfurt University. And in the library at that university, he found a Bible and he began to read it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 spoke to him particularly. It says this, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. This is why we're trying to put an emphasis in our church on planting the Word of God in the minds of our kids. From a childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ. The Bible, when you open it, it uh, leads you to Christ. That's exactly where it takes you. And so here's Martin Luther. He uh, had a near-death experience, and he promised God that if God would save him, that he would go into the service of God. And the only thing that he needed knew to do was to become a monk. And so he signed up to become a monk. He kept reading the Bible. There was a man called John Stupitz, and uh, he was a unique kind of person. He understood God's simple plan of salvation, and he began to counsel Martin Luther in what he called the plain path, Psalm 27:11. And Martin Luther resisted such an easy salvation, and he said, you know, I can't dare come to God uh, until I become a better person. I haven't repented completely. A better man, this other person said, Christ did not come to save good men, but sinners. Luke 5.31, they who are whole need not a physician, but they who are see, sick. Uh, Luther one day was uh, quoting the Apostles' Creed. Uh, some of you remember those days. And in the last line of the Apostles' Creed, it, it says this, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. And that one statement stuck in his mind, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. It dawned on him, not the payment of sins, but the forgiveness of sins. He was trying to pay for his sins by the austere, plain life that he was living as a monk. And he finally realized that his sins had all been, already been paid for by Christ on the cross. Now that's simple to us, but it wasn't to him. And so uh, he latched onto that, the forgiveness of sins. And in his cell in Erfurt University, died Martin Luther the monk and was born Martin Luther the Christian. And the birth of Luther the Christian was the birth of the Reformation in Germany. 
And people would now know all over that area and eventually the world that salvation is not something you pay for, it's something you receive simply by faith as a gift. Salvation is by faith alone. Romans 5.1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16.31 is a terrific verse. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved in your household. And that's the way it works. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're the first one in your household to believe in Christ, then others will come and believe also. Um, it's just not a mental, intellectual belief in God that's important. It's a heart belief. It's the genuine thing. Let's call it dynamic faith. We have dead faith, we have demonic faith, now we have dynamic faith. And what James does is he takes two illustrations from the Old Testament. One from Abraham and one from Rahab. Abraham was a Jew, friend of God, a very godly person. And God told him, listen, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to go out and I'm going to find a new place for you to live. And the Bible says that Abraham believed in the Lord... And the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. That's salvation by faith. But uh, also in the story, he talks about Abraham sacrificing his son uh, to God. And he used that to show that there is nothing that Abraham would withhold from God because he loved God so much. His life was a demonstration. He actually did something. He actually obeyed the Lord. Abraham was justified. His faith was pro proclaimed to the world as that he was declared righteous before God. You know, faith is a common denominator. Each and every one of us live our life each day by faith. You got up this morning, you went in the bathroom, you flicked the light switch on, and, and uh, most of you had lights today. I didn't hear anybody complaining this morning. When you get in your car, you turn the ignition on, and most of the time it starts. Uh, when you mail a letter, you expect it to get there. My son John is doing a book on our family. He's actually finished. But he wanted some pictures from me, and so at Christmas time, I thought I'd send him to Dallas uh, some fast mail. And so I bought the two-day mail service. You know how long it took to get to Dallas? Eleven days. I just was so thankful they didn't lose it. <laughs> I was just happy for the 11-day service that they gave. Every time you walk into a building, you trust the architect that he did it the right way and won't fall on your head. We live by faith. But the important thing about faith in God is the important thing is about the object of your faith. A person is not saved because they have faith in faith. We're saved because we have faith in the right object, right? The right person, and that's Christ. Well, Charles Spurgeon said, The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Uh, now, how does, that, how does that relate to you and me today? Uh, we are saved not because of our works, but we are saved for, our, for good works. That makes sense, doesn't it? I don't know anybody out there that's not saved trying to work very hard for God. But I know people like we've seen on, this, on, on, on our videos this morning that they gave their life to God. They're working their brains out. And the reason why they're doing it is because they're saved by grace. Uh, Abraham was, uh, was a good person. Rahab was on the other end. They had one thing in common. They were people of faith. And they, their faith produced something. 
Now, what does that mean practically? Uh, that means that all of us need to work for Christ. It's obvious that if you have a special gift, you can sing, you can play an instrument like these people up in here. That's an obvious place to begin. Uh, and, but, you know, there's a unique path, I believe, for everybody to walk on in the Christian life. I've had many people come to me through the years and say, they're all excited about what God is asking them to do. And my excitement level for them was like zero. I'm saying, how could you be excited about that? Uh, they felt the same way about what I'm excited about. <laughs> they said, how could he get excited about being a pastor? <laughs> they want to run from that. Uh, and I want to run from what they're doing. But you know, God has a purpose for all of us, don't you think? I mean, he has that little niche for you and that little niche for me. And I can't get excited. I won't depress you, but I won't get too excited about what God wants you to do way out there. But, you know, if you tell me that's what God wants you to do, I'm going to be on your team. Because isn't that our calling to do what God wants us to do individually? And Christianity is, is not a cookie cutter thing. You're not supposed to be like me, and I'm not supposed to be like you. We're all supposed to be like who? Christ, Jesus the Lord. And we all have our little unique things. Well, let's be sensitive to the needs of others. Be available to God's leadership in our life. That's real faith that works. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning in the church, I wonder if you're here today and you have never truly taken that step of faith to Christ. You believe in him intellectually. You know what he did on the cross for you, but you've never received his free gift of salvation yet. And maybe you think that you've got to get better. Listen, Christ didn't come to save better people. He came to save sinners. And if you come to Christ and just acknowledge your sin and say, Lord, I'm one of them, that's exactly who he's looking for. Reach out to him right now in faith and confess your sin. Say, Lord, I've broken your law. I have offended you. Forgive me. I'm trusting you now and you alone as my Savior. I don't have anything to present to you but my sin and my future. Just trust Christ right there in your seat this morning. And if you're here as a Christian and you've kind of grown a little lackadaisical, you, a little cold, You've, you're asking yourself, where do I fit in? Well, listen, you just ask God and he'll tell you where you fit in. You don't have to do what I do. and I don't have to do what you do, but you do have to do what God wants you to do. So let's be open and honest about that today. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the book of James and how it's so clear to us that a faith that really works is a working faith. And it's the only real kind of faith that there is in the Bible. I pray, Lord, that every person in our church today will have that faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation.
Thank you. 